the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, let's get it on. It's 11.04. I'm Mike Boyle, and we are back for the second hour of the Restaurant Show on Sunday, May 15th. Yes, I am in Mexico. Left last Wednesday. Hey, by the way, I didn't say this in the last hour. We talked with Lisa Fellows, Lisa Fellows, and... Uh, two other ladies, Betsy Willis and uh, Shannon O'Leary, they are going to host a restaurant show book club get-together at the View House Restaurant on May 25th. That would be Wednesday, May 25th. Information's on my website at mikeboyle.com. Everybody that comes will get a book. Everybody that comes will get a gift certificate. And uh, you can eat, have a drink, and we're just going to kind of share some ideas on whether or not this book club, we've had a very informal book club over the years where I bring books that I've read to my meal deal events, you bring books to me, and we just kind of trade, put them on a table, pass them around a little bit. There might be an event with no books. There might be an event with 10 books. But uh, these ladies wanted to see if there was a market for this. Most, as I talked with Lisa in the last hour, most book clubs have some sort of commonality. Maybe it's a uh, Maybe it's a neighborhood, maybe it's a bridge group, maybe it's your church, maybe whatever, but that's what brings the people together. We've got Lisa, who lives in Littleton, Shannon, who lives in Centennial, and Betsy, who lives off of Hilltop in Denver. So I don't know exactly how it's going to come together, but you know what? If nothing else, you'll have a nice lunch at the View House on uh, Wednesday, May 25th, I'll give you a book and I'll give you a gift certificate. And that certainly would make it worth your while to come on by. So anyway, we talked a little bit with her and then we talked with Alan Topol, T-O-P-O-L. He's got a new book out, The Chinese. I love talking to Alan because he doesn't want We talked about Italy and wines, and Spain, and an island in the Caribbean. We talked about his books. We talked about geopolitics. We talked about so many different things that if you missed the interview, we'll play it down the line or check out the podcast. But it was a wonderful, wonderful, enjoyable interview. One of the other things we also talked about was some TV series. Uh, his One of his books has been picked up, and they are in the process of turning it into a one season seven episode TV series. He has assured me that as soon as that gets put together, he will give me a call and we'll get it on the air because I, I'm just, I'm telling you, I really, I felt like my television watching experience. I don't watch the junk that is on the regular networks. I don't watch the news. You get about two, three stories, five minutes of weather, that type of thing. I read for my news. But 
I like to sit around like everybody else and watch a good TV show. And boy, some of these mini series like Narcos Mexico, Cocaine Cowboys, Breaking Bad, Ozark, Yellowstone, these, and now Bosch and Bosch Legacy and Reacher. These are great, great television shows. And we also talked a little bit about a movie that is coming out very soon. It's going to be Top Gun Maverick. And yep, we'll talk about that when we come back on the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show. All right, let's move on here on the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show. It is Sunday, May 15th. And uh, by the way, last Sunday was Mother's Day. I hope you had a fabulous day. I talked to people at a number of restaurants, and they were just busy, 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 packed, busy. People are getting out a little bit more. Hey, I think it's nice to have something in the home, spend a little time with mom or grandma. But you know what? It's always fun to take them out as well, let them dress up, maybe get a new dress, maybe a new hat. But uh, I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful Mother's Day. All right, so let me ask Geronimo, Michael Arpaio, producing this show and helping me out a little bit. Michael Arpaio, if you were stranded on a desert island and could only have one movie, maybe two, to watch over and over and over, you don't know if or when help is coming. Well, I would be just fine with Lonesome Dove. I would be just fine with Field of Dreams. I know many people that would be happy with the Shawshank Redemption or The Godfather. But I think if I was on a desert island and could only watch Top Gun over and over, I would be all right. Michael, do you have a movie? Not that I can think of. That's a really? tough question. I'd have to think about it for a How can you not have given that some thought? What about a book? What about music? Would you have your mix? You got 10 songs. Would it have San Francisco by Scott McKenzie? Would it have Maggie May? Van Morrison's Brown Eyed Girl? Maybe would some it, Steely Dan. Would it, would it have uh, The Eagles? Take it easy. So you don't have a movie that you would like to watch if stranded on a desert island? I've never thought Michael, about Michael, it. Michael, I, I, you've never let me down like this. All right. Well, I'm going to continue because I'm going to talk about, you know what? Have you seen Top Gun? Please, for please. please yes, for, and I've oh, seen the trailer for the new one. It looks fantastic. Okay, good. Oh, thank God. At least you've seen Top Gun. All right. So remember the little Victorian house in San Diego? where Charlie Kelly McGillis lives and where Tom Cruise goes over. You remember that house? I do, indeed. You can, rem- you can visit that house. Oceanside, which is a little bit north of San Diego, is where Camp Pendleton is. It's between Camp Pendleton and San Diego on the Pacific Coast. Oceanside's Top Gun House reopens as nostalgic pie shop employees there's a picture of the little victorian house and it's surrounded it almost looks like one of those deals where 
we've all seen it where a gigantic developer wants to come in and build high-rise apartments or hotels or condominiums or whatever. And but there's one little piece of land street front right in the middle of it. And 90-year-old Alice she doesn't want to sell. We've all seen that, right? So the hotel apartment condominium project goes up on both sides and just dwarfs her. And then in the back, it just dwarfs her. But it's her house. Well, that's what it looks like because the house has been moved. For much of the past 36 years, Oceanside's famous Top Gun house has been boarded up and move from place to place as the city's downtown waterfront exploded with growth. Hey, all you got to do is watch Top Gun in 1986 and know that that's a prime piece of property. But on Friday, this is about a week ago, the 135-year-old Victorian cottage that was featured in the 1986 Tom Cruise film Top Gun celebrated its new permanent home and occupant. Now uh, situated in an oceanfront lot on the grounds of the one-year-old Mission Pacific Hotel at 201 North Meyer Street, the Top Gun house is now home to High Pie, a nostalgic Americana-inspired pie shop. So you look at it, and it looks just like in the TV show, or I beg your pardon, the movie. It looks absolutely fabulous, but it is just dwarfed on three sides by this hotel, the Mission Pacific Hotel. But, you know, they've kept a little bit of um, green space and a little bit. I mean, it it looks nice. It looks kind of cool. On that Friday, a line of customers snaked out the door and down the sidewalk of the shop, which sells fried-to-order hand pies filled with apple or cherry and a la mode Hand pies filled with ice cream. The pies are served on a popsicle stick. It looks kind of cool. I see a picture of it here. With optional dipping sauces, including salted caramel. Who doesn't like salted caramel, for crying out loud? And lemon curd. The shop also sells coffee and other drinks and souvenir t-shirts and hats. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I am going to be in San Diego in September. My daughter is taking with her company, Gusto Mexico, a small group, a cultural immersion experience into Mexico to what's called the Guadalupe Valley, or in Spanish, the Valle de Guadalupe. All right. And what they're going to do, what we are going to do is fly into San Diego a day early, get a hotel, And sure, we can go into the Gaslight District. We can go to Island Prime and get ourselves a big primate steak. And then the next day, the van will cross the border, Tijuana, Ensenada. I've got to take a break, but I'll be in Ensenada when we come back and continue this segment of the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show. All right, welcome back. So now we're in Mexico, and it's in September, and we're in the van, and we drive about an hour east to the Guadalupe Valley, and we enjoy some of the wonderful wine region of Mexico. And on the way back... When we cross the border, I'm going to spend an extra day in San Diego, relax a little bit. 
But I'm just going to tell you this. I am going to figure out how to get up to Oceanside to the high pie and enjoy it. And San Diego is a major, major tourist attraction. So, tourist destination, I suppose I should say. So, I'm just telling you this because I think it would be fun to see it, and I'm going to see it. Um, I'm going to see it when I go out there. But some of you may enjoy maybe going more to Palm Springs. So, I'm going to continue on with this article. Top Gun uh, memorabilia lines the walls of the high pie, and it's high, H-I-G-H, all in caps, dash pie. A new hand pie shop located inside the historic Top Gun house in Oceanside. Um, Nautical wallpaper, paintings, needlepoint art of fishing boats, Navy aircraft carriers, posters, and photos of crews and the movie Top Gun. High Pie is the brainchild of Palm Springs hospitality company owner Tara Lazar. In her native Palm Springs, Lazar owns three restaurants, two bars, a catering company, and a hotel. See how we tie this all together. It's the restaurant show, the travel show, the movie show. Yep, we're trained professionals here. So I will go on. Before starting her business, she was actually a trader on the floor of the stock exchange in San Francisco. When her father became ill, she moved back to Palm Springs to help care for him in 2006 and began working at home as a day trader. Uh, She and her husband, who have always loved restaurants, decided that opening her own restaurant was always a dream. I loved breakfast, and my friends would come and visit, and we wouldn't have places to take them. So I got the idea I should open a breakfast place. I started losing more and more money. sitting in front of my computer and decided if I was going to lose money, in other words, she was a day trader, but she was losing money by not paying attention. um, I might as well go into the restaurant business. So in 2008, she opened Cheeky's, a brunch centric Palm Springs restaurant. And you know what? I think that when I go out to California, uh, I may swing up to, I want to go to Palm Springs. I want to go to La Quinta. I want to look around. I want to go up to Zoshua Tree where my dad and I had a cabin for years and years and years. Um, But I might, I might swing by Cheeky's where everything is made from scratch using locally sourced ingredients and the menu changes weekly. Since then, she has also opened up a steakhouse, an Italian restaurant, a cocktail bar, tiki bar, and a catering company. She also owns Alcazar, a 34-room boutique hotel. Not doing too bad. Anyway, for several years, Lazar said she wanted to break into the restaurant business in San Diego, but she struggled to find the right space. Then she connected with S.D. Malkin Properties, the Connecticut-based global retail investment company that built the Mission Pacific Hotel and the adjacent Seabird Resort, both of which opened in 2021. Founder Scott Malkin is a fan of Top Gun, so as part of the development deal for the 2.75-acre oceanfront property, he offered to give the Top Gun house a place to stay and facelifts. 
The house was originally known as the Graves House because its original owner, Dr. Henry Graves, the 500-square-foot house was one of several cottages built along Pacific Street in downtown Oceanside in the 1880s. Over the years, the downtown commercial district grew. All of the other cottages were torn down. According to local historians, the Grave House had historical merit because of its age and folk Victorian architectural style, which is commonly seen in San Francisco and the Pacific Northwest. As a result, the city purchased the house in 1980s to protect it from demolition. Then, in 1986, Top Gun was released to global acclaim. Tom Cruise starred in the movie as a cocky San Diego-based Navy pilot. The Graves House was featured in one scene of the film as the house of Cruz's on-screen girlfriend, played by actress Kelly McGillis. We all know this, right? Well, in 2019, the house was hoisted up and moved a few blocks to make way for the hotel's construction. With the consultation of the Oceanside Historical Society and Save Our Heritage Organization, Malkin Property spent nearly $1 million restoring the home to its original design with a new chimney, refreshed roof, and recreation of its ornate gingerbread um, along the front line, roof line and porches. He first hired, Malkin first hired Lazar to develop the menu for the High Low Cafe at the Mission Pacific Hotel, which she described as a healthier take on the breakfast surfers eat around the world, like Hawaiian fried rice, Alaskan corn fritters, and Southern California breakfast burritos, but with house-made Spam and American-style cheese. She said her concept for high pie was tied closely to the movie Top Gun, American patriotism, the military, and the ocean. Can any of us argue with any of that? Because of the shop's small size, a dessert concept worked best for the base, uh, for the space. And Lazar said she knew Scott Malkin was a fan of apple pie, and so is she. I love it when this stuff comes together. Don't you? Don't you agree? She said, I loved the McDonald's apple pies growing up. I wanted to recreate that in a really nutritious, recognizable ingredients kind of way using old-fashioned butter, cup-for-cup flour that's gluten-free and fillings that are very clean ingredients like cherry, almond extract, and sugar. The uh, shop will host a grand opening event May 20th. That's coming up this week. Five days before a sequel, Top Gun Maverick opens in cinemas. And if you want to look it up, look up Famous High Pie, all one word, and the high is H-I-G-H-E, FamousHighPie.com. All right? Isn't that a cool story? Boy, I'll tell you what, you don't get this on other restaurant shows. Okay, something else I wanted to talk about. Let's get a little bit closer to home and buildings and remodeling and so forth. You know the Broncos are for sale, right? We're hearing $4 billion, maybe $5 billion. Uh, Rob Walton is in the bidding. He is part of the Walton Walmart family, all of that. And, of course, his brother-in-law is Cronky, who owns the Rams. Well, he's bidding for the Broncos. Here's a report. Potential NFL owner 
planning to build a new stadium in Denver. Really? I thought we just did that. Didn't we just do that? When was it built? It was built, Mile High, whatever we call it now, was built in 2001. So it's 20 years old and we need a new stadium. All right, here's what the article says. Some front runners are reportedly emerging as new ownership groups for the Denver Broncos, and one could seek an upgrade in the Mile High City. According to the Denver Gazette's Woody Page, Woody Page, who made the introduction speech when I was inducted into the Colorado Restaurant Hall of Fame, good friend of mine, wonderful guy, and a tremendously talented writer, Rob Walton and a bidding group led by Philadelphia 76ers Governor Josh Harris and including Magic Johnson as a minority investor are perceived as the two top finalists. However, two other sources asserted the three other potential buyers have meetings scheduled over the next two weeks. According to Page, the acquisition price is expected to eclipse $4 billion, setting a record for most paid to purchase any sporting franchise. Walton, the former Walmart chairman, has an estimated net worth of $69 million. Can that be right? That must be... Is that right? That must be a B. Is I, I I think it's sixty nine and a half billion. So if you're going to pay four billion for a franchise, that's chump change to you. But if you got sixty nine and a half million and you're bidding four billion, you better have a few other partners involved. Um, along with his family wealth, he has the advantage of being a cousin through marriage of Los Angeles Rams owner Stan Kroenke. And of course, Kroenke owns our Nuggets. Does he own the Avalanche? I, I know he owns the Nuggets. I know he owns the um, the soccer team. Like Kroenke, Walden has aspiration of building a new stadium in Denver if acquiring the team. Of course, Kroenke was responsible for getting the new stadium for the Los Angeles Rams out there in Inglewood, California. Page added that former Super Bowl winning Broncos quarterback John Elway, quarterbacks John Elway and Peyton Manning would also be interested in joining the winning bidders group. Denver's current stadium, now named Empire Field at Mile High, opened in 2001 and replaced Mile High Stadium, which was built in 1948. With 15 older NFL stadiums, a new venue doesn't appear to be an immediate pressing need. The biggest question is how much Walton would be willing to pay from his own pockets if buying the Broncos and spearheading the project. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. I'm Mike Boyle. It is Sunday, May 15th. Happy to have you aboard. When we come back, let's talk about some great upcoming events on The Restaurant Show. All right, let's get a little closer to home than uh, Riverside, California. Well, I guess we were talking about the Broncos. That's pretty close to home. Colorado Brewers win big on the world stage. You know, I really came late to the craft beer party. I was very, very content with Coors beer when I was growing up. Coors Light when it came out in about 1978. Moving back to Coors Banquet, maybe having a few less beers, but wanting just a little bit more body. But I was perfectly content with that. And it seemed to me that 20 years ago, when the craft beer industry started really ramping up, because most places didn't have a big capacity for brewing, 
There was a lot of porters and stouts and dark beers and heavies, and I just didn't want those. Loggers take a little bit longer. Pilsners take a little bit longer. So you either need to jam up what equipment you have to make a lager or have more equipment that you can designate as a lager Pilsner preparation area. Well, then all of a sudden, I go to Germany. I go on the River Rhine. And at each port along the River Rhine, I would get off. They were serving Bitburger on the cruise. And having been a Germany, a GI in Germany, it's a good beer. Every town in Germany has its own beer. Some are better than others. But the, Bitbur- the town of Bitburg puts out Bitburger, and it's a good lager. But I would still jump off the boat, and I would find a local liquor store, and I'd buy two or three local beers and bring them back. And we'd, at happy hour, two or three or four of us would sit around, even though they had a happy hour on the boat, and enjoy these beers, give them a try. When we got to Cologne, I found a lager called Kolsch, K-O-L-S-C-H, and I really enjoyed it. And to be a real Kolsch, it has got to be from, be made in Cologne, Germany. But Kolsch is a style, so you can go over there and pick it up, and brewers that are much more chemically uh, chemistry oriented than I could figure out what it was. So when I got back, I said, I think I'm going to find out if there's any Kolsch's around. And I found a couple good ones. I found some not so good. And then I started looking at the craft beers. I started going to Bubbles Liquor World where you can take a six pack carrier and you can build your own six pack. And I'd try a lager from this brewery, a, a, a lager from that brewery. And some I learned to like and some I really didn't. So some got, and some are very, very good. And I keep Coors Banquet in my refrigerator, but I also keep a couple of like Colorado Gold and 8 Second out of uh, Buena Vista. And I I keep some of them around. Sometimes they say, you know what, I'm just going to have a beer as I watch the sunset down in Castle Rock. I'll have a beer. Eh, If I want another one, maybe I'll have a banquet. But The point is, is that Colorado brewers have come a long ways and they've come up big on the world stage. In a recent Boulder-based Brewers Association competition, listen to this. Um, There were entries over 10,540 entries. 10,000. That's a lot of different beers. From 2,400 and 93 breweries in 57 countries. So the competition was obviously intense. It may have been a Colorado event, but it was worldwide competition. Two Edgewater breweries won. Joyride took gold for its ice cutter Kolsch. I'm going to have to try that. Um, Cannonball Creek Brewing in Golden. Got its second consecutive gold medal for Trump hands. Yeah, like that Trump, Donald Trump, in the IPA category. Of note, 12 Colorado breweries won for the first time, including Denver's Ratio Beer Works, which took home a silver for its Dear You. 
Saison, and bronze for its bourbon barrel age genius wizard. I don't know why I'm reading these names to you. You wouldn't really remember them. But but I think it's I think it's kind of cool. Um Colorado beer on this world stage came home with 22 awards. I, I think that that's pretty impressive. I think it shows where the market has come. And, and I've still got friends. I've still got friends that say, I am a Coors Light guy. God bless them. I love Coors Brewing Company. I am a Coors Banquet guy. And some of them, I know a couple of them, won't even go to a restaurant that offers maybe all craft beers and no Coors product. Well, Coors has gone out. Miller Coors has gone out and begun to purchase a lot of these microbreweries. And they're using their distributor company up in uh, North Denver to distribute some of these products. So anyway, I only bring it up. Congratulations to the Colorado breweries. And it might be something for you to check out just a little bit. Um, One of the things that we do here is we offer you events. They are called Boyle Lunch Bunches. My name is Mike Boyle. I invite you to lunch. We have a bunch of people. We get you great meals, great deals. Many of them are dinner events. The events in Colorado Springs tend to be Saturday at lunch because my show is on Saturday 10 to 1. The events in Denver tend to be Saturday 3 to 5, 3 to 6 because I broadcast 3 to 5 on KNUS in Denver. And sometimes on Sunday with a simulcast all up and down the front range from 10 to noon, we can figure out a place that might be convenient for all. But the common denominator is that we want to get you a great meal and a great deal. We want to get you out of your rut a little bit. We want to get you to say, well, we've never been to that restaurant. Let's go give it a try. Or we've never had that item at a restaurant. We've gone to the restaurant, never tried that item. Maybe we should try it to expand our horizons, to broaden our horizons a little bit. But the important thing is to also get you a deal. Well, part of the deal of Denver Restaurant Week, which started in 2003, was to get you out. It typically was right after Valentine's Day. So you're coming off the Christmas holidays, family, friends, going out, coming over to the house, New Year's Eve, a big new, a big dining uh, period. You get into January, all the credit card bills come in and you kind of go, whoa, maybe we need to sit down and relax a little bit. Then you got February Valentine's Day, when people are pretty much committed to uh, taking their significant other out. And so Denver Restaurant Week started in 2003, right after that. And they started with fifty two eighty as the price, dinner for two. 5,280 feet high, fifty two eighty, And it went very, very well. And a lot, it got up to about 300 restaurants, if I recall. And it would be the Del Frisco's. It would be the Prime Age Steakhouses. And they would create a meal where they could say, this meal for two would typically run you 70 bucks, 75, 80 bucks, maybe even as much as 100, but you get it for 52, 80. Some did menu items. Some created special menus. Well, As prices went up, as we moved along, as people started booking on Open Table and Open Table charged the restaurants for a reservation, in my personal opinion, 
the value went down a little bit. I've always mentioned the restaurants. I've always mentioned the week. I've always told you when it was going to be. I would never discourage anybody from going out and enjoying it. But there was just an article in a recent trade publication called Dining Out, which is a Denver trade publication. When Visit Denver debuted Denver Restaurant Week in 2003, the dining scene wasn't nearly as strong as it is today, says Justin Bessler, the organization's vice president of marketing. And so the tourism group started the event to provide additional revenue for food establishments during the post-holiday lull and to champion the quality of the local dining scene. The annual event typically takes place in late February or early March, and includes at least 200, I think they got a little higher than that, restaurants with each creating a set menu for the week now at the price point of $25, $35, or $45. They have, obviously, 45 times 2 is a lot more than $52.80. they have had to make some adjustments over the years. Um, Frank Bonanno, very talented restaurateur, has been involved in Restaurant Week since the beginning. The chef behind Banana Concepts, 26 restaurants, says he wanted to help build Denver up to have more of a national spotlight. Today, he continues to see his involvement in the event as a way to support the city's food scene. It's not supposed to be a life support restaurant for a financially ailing restaurant. You got to give the people a good meal and a good deal. So do I think it's still fun? Yes, but do I think that the deals that we offer here on the restaurant show are better? Yes, because we go to restaurants and say, hit the listener with your best shot. What's your best-selling item? What's your most popular item? When we go to the Black Eyed Pea, what do they do? Chicken fried chicken and pot roast. The same exact portion that they retail for $15, they do for $7.10. That's why you check out my website at mikeboyle.com. So, coming up... This Saturday, the 21st, we've got a lunch event for the Colorado Springs show, 10 to 1, from 1030 to 130, the Garden of the Gods Trading Post, the oldest trading post west of the Mississippi, offers two buffalo burgers, a 24, they're $12 each retail, $24 value for $7, not seven each, $7 for two. Three fifty each comes with fries or homemade chips, and it's the regular portion. It will be, I mean, we're going to have to throw a tent over that circus on Saturday because it's going to be that busy. We have $1 Starbucks coffee. When's the last time you got anything at Starbucks for a buck? We're going to have $1 Colorado Creamery ice cream. So check it out. I'd love to see you Saturday. We're going to go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, I'll tell you what else we got going on next weekend on the restaurant show. All right, we are back to wrap up the final segment of the restaurant show. It is Sunday, May 15th, 10 o'clock until noon. Um, So next Saturday, we've got an event at Garden of the Gods Trading Post. Then I'm going to come up to Denver and do the show on KNUS from 3 to 5. From 3 to 5. Joyce's Famous Pizza, 2120 South Broadway, Broadway and Evans. She does her large one topping, and this is a big pie. Large one topping pie, almost a $20 value for $7.10. You can dine in or take out. You can phone in your order. That You get the number by looking up Joyce's Famous Pizza or going to my website at mikeboyle.com. And then on Sunday, there's a car show. 
at University and County Line. And I'm going to be at the Taste of Philly there. And Martin Garvey, who's been making Philly cheesesteaks since he was in high school, owns that store, owns another one up in Lakewood. But the special will be at the Highlands Ranch store, $5 Philly cheesesteaks. Dine in, take out, get as many as you want, and there'll be a custom car show there. So that's going to be a big, big weekend. I'll get back this Wednesday from Mexico, and then we're going to be off to the races the 21st, Saturday, Garden of the Gods trading post in the morning, Joyce's in the afternoon, and then Taste of Philly on Sunday. The following weekend, the 28th, we're going to do a barbecue event with Dickie's Barbecue up in Westminster. The Rustnack family that owns the four stores in Colorado Springs recently acquired seven more stores in the Denver metro area working with corporate. One of them was Westminster, and they want to goose them a little bit. They want to fire them up a little bit. They want you to know that they are. there's a new sheriff in town. They are the owners. So that will be coming up on the 28th. We get into June. We got Louis Pizza in Colorado Springs. We got the Western Museum of Mining and Industry, Arlene's Beans in Monument. But the point is that the best way, I love having advertisers on the show. I love doing interviews with the restaurateurs. But the best way to promote your restaurant is to get your food in somebody's mouth. And that's what we do with these Boil Meal Deals events. Everybody's welcome. We would love to have you join us. So the 21st morning, Garden of the Gods. Afternoon, Joyce's Famous Pizza. The 22nd, Sunday, Taste of Philly. And then that Wednesday, the 25th, don't forget the View House. We're going to be in a private room over there, and we're going to talk about the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show Book Club, then the 28th Dickie's Barbecue. So we have got a lot of stuff. And by the way, just to wrap up the Denver Restaurant Week, so about 10 years ago, um, Colorado Springs decided to do a Colorado Springs Restaurant Show. And they they didn't want to use 5280. That's the Mile High City. Um, so they started tweaking with the prices. Uh, I believe they were 25, 35, and 45. But here's the deal. If somebody is used to going to your restaurant and having a meal for two, Mexican meal, maybe with a beer, for two people, 30 bucks. Well, then you can't charge 45 and say that it's a special menu and add a drink and so forth. So it hasn't gone particularly well in Colorado Springs, but I have always told you when it was. I have always told you the restaurants that were participating because I I, I try not to be a shill for the restaurant industry, but I certainly do try to be an advocate. All right, folks, we're pretty much out of time. Like I said, I'm in Mexico. I'm at the Rio Palace Peninsula. Um, in Cancun with a group of listeners. I want to thank you. Yesterday, I took out the baseball equipment that we brought down, about 350 pounds of baseball equipment, over $10,000. And go to my Facebook, facebook.com slash Mike Boyle Restaurant Show. You will see pictures. I got back, posted them last night, posted some this morning. And also, if you follow me on Instagram, but you are the ones, whether you go to garage sales, ARC, 
goodwill, whether you have some stuff in your basement, whether your kids, grandkids have given up playing the game, they've moved on with life, and you want to give me the equipment, whether you want to give me money that I spend every nickel at Play It Against Sports or Big Five getting equipment because Hillary Mantilli at Play It Against Sports in Kassarok does a great deal, gives me great prices, really helps with the project. She's even got a box there for donations. So it works well because of all of you. And I just want to thank you. I thank you. The kids thank you. And the only regret I ever have, I've told you this in the years I've been doing it in the Dominican Republic and the last two times we've done it in Mexico, where they're trying to get youth baseball started. The only regret I have is that you do not get to see the smiles on the faces of a kid who's presented with a glove and a ball and a bat and maybe a hat, maybe a shirt, maybe some catcher's gear. But you can see those pictures at Instagram and Mike Boyle Restaurant Show on Facebook. So that wraps it up for today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I will see you this Saturday at the Garden of the Gods Trading Post. I'll see you this Saturday at Joyce's Famous Pizza. I'll see you Sunday at the Taste of Philly. We're going to come back from Mexico, and we're going to hit the ground running with some of our Boyle meal deals. They're on my website at MikeBoyle.com. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. I'm Mike Boyle, and this is The Restaurant Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.